In this episode, we'll be talking about relying on our preps this past Tuesday night after a tornado touched down in our county, causing 25,000 customers, including us, to lose electrical power. Today, we're talking about what we did and how we fared, so stay with us. Welcome to Practical Prepping. Today is Friday, July 21st, and this is episode 398. We're here to help everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way, whether it is a natural disaster like a tornado or a hurricane, or possibly a lockdown or inflation or even food shortages. You need to be prepared. Hi, I'm Krista. And I'm Mark, and today we'll be talking about using our preps when a tornado took out our power this week. If you would like the episode notes, go to practicalprepping.info slash 398. How's your day been? Well, actually, it's been a pretty busy day. I've done some work in my office. I've done some work in my kitchen. I've done some work in my laundry room. I've just worked all over the house. That she has done. I had a slow start to the day, but the afternoon came on and I got a lot of work done this afternoon. Before we go any further, let's correct something that we mentioned on the last episode when we were talking about the extremely high temps. Yeah, we're talking about in Texas, and and I'll admit that I shared a photograph on Facebook of allegedly a woman baking a loaf of bread in her mailbox. Well, turns out I shared something that wasn't true. I got fact-checked on it, and the weatherman in North Carolina that I have followed and admired for many years, Brad Panovich, even mentioned that that particular photograph is a hoax and that it didn't actually happen the way. So we wanted to apologize publicly for our inadvertent error at sharing something where somebody supposedly baked bread in their mailbox. But it was not that mailbox for sure. And one of the things, and I don't know why we didn't notice this to begin with, but that was a bricked over mailbox. I guess the thought was maybe it was acting like a brick oven, like you'd bake pizza in. But yeah. of course, you have to have a fire inside a brick oven. Yes, but actually the brick would have insulated the mailbox to some degree. Oh, sure, of course. It would actually have stayed cooler <laughs> being bricked over. And we just totally missed that. And I don't know if there was somebody somewhere that baked bread in a mailbox, but I do know that people were baking cookies on the dash of the car. Yeah, I think a lot of folks uh, in Texas and in some of those southwestern states were indicating that if they cracked an egg on the sidewalk, you know, it would soon be pretty well cooked. Yes. All right. Wednesday's episode was recorded on Tuesday afternoon. We mentioned in that episode that we were expecting some severe weather to come through. There's some thunder rolling right now. Because some has been coming through today. And today is Thursday. We're recording Thursday evening, about 7.30 Central. And that particular episode, we mentioned that weather coming through and it did. You know, we had already recorded our podcast. Mm -hmm. And so a couple hours later, we began to see the sky getting dark. It was still light enough in the sky that we were looking at our backyard and absolutely out of nowhere came this gust of wind that was so serious. You and I both kind of stood up out of our chairs. In fact, I was getting a little bit alarmed. 
Yes, and I'm not really going to call that a gust because it lasted for a good little while. It wasn't too long after that that our power went out, but you were watching these winds and the effect of the winds because I began to see three to four inch branches breaking out of the tree and falling Mm -hmm. to the ground. And not too long after that, you were saying, you know, I wouldn't be at all surprised if this turned out to be an EF0 tornado. And I'm like, what? And I was basing (laughs) that on the radar data that I had. I went back and I looked on GR level three. I looked very closely at some of the past data because this was on about seven o'clock when I sat down to do this. And I was looking at that data that my computer had recorded and I found what I believe to be a small tornado. And I mentioned that to Krista and then the national weather service went out to actually do surveys to see whether it was a tornado or whether it was all straight line winds. Yeah. This would have been the following day. Yes. This was yesterday. Mm -hmm. Well, it was Wednesday when they went out to do that. Right. And it was determined that an EF zero had touched down and that place that it touched down is about 10 miles from us. And it was on the ground for a very short distance and then it lifted up again. So Mm -hmm. it becomes a funnel cloud again. All right. And it took down while it was on the ground there, it took down quite a few power poles. Yes. There was a lot of emergency folks out and about. Mm The highways were getting blocked with branches and trees were coming down. There were some roof tears. Well, I saw one photo with, it looked like about 10 large power poles that were down in the street. Yes. So sure enough, we didn't have the wildest tornado ever, but we definitely had, we experienced kind of the backside of that tornado action. It came over the house. I Mm -hmm. looked at the track and it came over, but it was airborne at that point. I'm just thankful that it was not on the ground at that point. And how about you calling it just exactly the way the National Weather Service called it? How about that? That's your experience. It's luck. Well, you've also got an experienced weather eye, and you know what you're reading when you're reading it, when you're looking at Radar Scope and GR Level 3 and some of those other weather programs that you've told a lot of folks about that I remember that one of the most recent ham fest conventions we went to, you ended up lecturing really on GR level three for hours. Well, <laughs> wound up switching the computer over from the website, our website and the podcast to GR level three. And I actually found a storm somewhere in the country to be able to demonstrate it to different people. Cool. And so it wasn't like three or four hour lecture. It was, I explained it to a bunch of folks at different times for about three or four hours. Right. I do enjoy that program. And if you're a weather nerd like me, if you don't already have it, take a look at GR level three. If you put in GR level X into your browser, that should bring it up. And there is, I think, a two week fully functional trial on there that you can use. All right. Back to our tornado. There were a lot of trees blocking the streets, and we had a lot of flooding. Yeah, we were fortunate that we were at home, and we had, the, of course, the TV news on as far as we could, and you were actually sprinting back out to the garage to try to find some things because you were already beginning to think ahead 
you know, this may become a situation where we need to rely on some of our preps. And Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about yeah. that in a little bit more detail here in just a few minutes. And we had roofs damaged across areas of the county. Quite a few. And yes. I haven't looked closely at ours today. Hmm. Probably need to look Probably even closer to. than I have. Gotcha. But anyway, it traveled over our house. And the power blinked and went out. Now, it was only out for a total of four hours. It was just a couple of minutes short of four hours. And I want to say thank you to you guys that climbed those power poles and put those wires back where they need to be. Yes, God bless our linemen. Yes, and they don't wait until it's dry and pretty to go out there and do it. No, they're the utility companies put out an immediate alert because we were still using our phones, and the utility companies were saying we already have dispatched crews all over Mm -hmm. the northeast Alabama area, and they were working it. They were working it. So I've seen those guys. I've blocked roads for those guys while they worked, and it's raining. I've done it in the snow, and I just really appreciate you guys that do that and don't think that it's not appreciated. Well, while it was still daylight and what Krista was mentioning a moment ago, between the bands of rain is when I went to the garage, and that's when I moved the generator from the garage to the patio. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking ahead in that I knew how it had rained just before that, and I didn't want to be moving a generator in that amount of rain because there wasn't going to be a dry stitch on my body had I done that. It was a virtual toad strangler. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. And so I moved the the generator and I moved several extension cords and I had everything right there on the back ready. And when it began to get dark, we went to our lights out kit. Oh, yes. We have in our prepper room, we have some LED lanterns. Of course, we have every kind of flashlight you can ever dream of. No, I saw a new one the other day. Did you? Yeah. Anyway, back to the topic. We made sure that we had our battery cases nearby, too, in case anything needed new batteries. And we were looking for our power rocks and our power sources in case we needed to charge up phones. And so we began to just spring into action. We just did what preppers do, and they start pulling together the different items and the gear that you're going to need because, you know, we had no way of knowing how long our power would be out. And this just didn't feel like a normal power outage of, say, you know, five, ten minutes. This started dragging on. The power went out at 530, and by 7 o'clock with stormy skies, it's dark. I was actually trying to do some reading, and I had a flashlight cap you know, that I had actually given Mark, and he let me borrow his flashlight cap so I could continue reading in my ham radio book. She's studying for her general to I take am. it next month. I'm doing it. That's the plan, and she was studying, and I was using a headlamp when I was moving things and when I went out to work. Yes, hand, keeps the hands free. Yes, mm-hmm. and I needed both hands to do that, but we also wanted to try a few new things. One, and we've talked about it, And I knew that it would work reasonably, but we didn't know how well it worked. And that was that we clipped a two-cell flashlight into the top of an empty milk jug. Right. It became a lantern. Yes. And it actually diffused the light and provided a great circumference of light all around the kitchen. And it was providing more light out of that than we were getting out of the four-cell 
AA LED lanterns. Exactly. So it was a very good test for us. It's easy to carry around. It's lightweight. I know a lot of people that will actually take empty milk jugs with them on camping trips. Mm -hmm. Not even for an emergency or a storm or power outage, but just to provide some extra lighting out in the darkness of the woods and whatnot. And I said, you know, that that could work inside. So we had an empty milk jug and we had some pin light and we were really astonished at how great that turned out. Yes, it was. Now, something that we had not actually tried before, I've been around them and they're in our bags and stuff, and that was chemical light sticks. Mm-hmm. What we found is it was probably like a really good night light. Yes, it wasn't tremendous illumination, but it would at least kind of help you find your way. I, we tossed a few around in the bathrooms and or out on the floor. It's good for small area light in total darkness. Mm-hmm. Like she mentioned, we can use it in a bathroom, hallway, and it would probably be good for a night light in our tent. You know, you could even toss a few inside a refrigerator. Since you have no light coming on in the refrigerator, maybe you, you know, could just throw some glow sticks in there. Or don't open the refrigerator. (laughs) We'll talk about the refrigerator in just a second. Yeah, that became a concern. And before it really became a concern, hunger became a little bit of an issue. Yeah, we had to go ahead and eat some, like, non-cookable foods. Well, I didn't go non-cookable. No, you didn't. I did the sandwich, but you did something different. Tell the folks what you did. I pulled out the propane camp stove. He put it right on top of the regular stove in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And we already had the kitchen windows open as well as those several in the den because it was getting hot. I mean, it it was hot outside and it was getting hotter inside. So we had some ventilation with the windows open. So I wasn't concerned about the propane stove not having a carbon monoxide detector in that room. Now, there's one in the next room, but there was not one in that room. And I wasn't going to run it that long anyway. But I was able to have a hot dinner, and Krista went into the refrigerator and got some of the sandwich foods out and was was able to curb her hunger as well. But at about three and a half hours without power, she began to become really concerned about the refrigerator. Right, because the pros will tell you that in a power outage, food in the refrigerator is good for about four hours, provided you're not opening it Mm -hmm. a lot. And so I had opened it at least once, maybe twice, and for a real quick grab on something. But after about four hours, the food in the refrigerator, we're not talking about the freezers right now, but the refrigerator could start warming rather quickly and when it gets into the 50 55 60 degree area that food it most of it would be considered spoiled certain foods would be okay like butter and hard cheese but other things like milk sour cream mayonnaise that kind of thing can set up for spoilage and i asked her where she got that four hour figure because i've heard things like eight hours and such as that but she actually researched it I usually research three separate sites, and the three that I researched all had the very same warning about the four hour. They said four hours is about all you can risk on a refrigerator. So at about three and a half hours, she began to be really concerned, and she began to start asking me questions. And I said, do you want me to go start the generator? And she said, yes, that's exactly what I want. So. Mm -hmm. 
So I got That's up what and I did. went out and I got the generator ready. And this particular generator has not been used before this particular yeah, event. We bought it brand new and we've just been waiting and to use it. I, I should have already set it up, but I had to put oil in it and I had to put gas in it. And not a big problem doing that, but it was just something that delayed a few minutes. And so I set the generator up. And we ran extension cord through the kitchen window and connected that to the refrigerator. Right. After a bit, I began to, <laughs> I went back in there and we were doing what we were doing. She was studying by flashlight and, or that cap light. And it dawned on me, run another extension cord into the den. On the back of the table between our chairs, we have mounted a power strip, and that's where the lamp plugs into, and that's where we plug in chargers for the phones and things like that. I ran another extension cord into the den and plugged that up, which gave us the lamp. Yeah, so we could see. And then I ran another extension cord and put a fan blowing out the window to draw in some cooler air from outside. Let me jump in for a second and talk about the freezers since we talked about the mm. refrigerator. Now we have one of those side-by-side refrigerators with the freezer on the side and I was not opening the freezer at all. We have the refrigerator freezer and then we have an upright freezer in our prepper pantry. So I knew not to open them at all. And the pros that told me about the four hours on the refrigerator also said that a freezer in a power outage is good for about 24 hours, mm -hmm. provided you're not opening it up a lot. If you just leave it closed, you can rely on it holding its coldness for a 24-hour period. So I had made up my mind that I'm just going to leave my freezers alone, let them just stay nice and cold, because... My upright freezer is actually a below zero freezer. It's like right. 10 below. It's really, really cold. And so I had no issues there. But I was so happy to see my refrigerator being powered up and the compressor coming back on. And that made me feel so, so fine because I didn't lose any of the food. I had just been to the grocery store that morning and I didn't lose any of the food that mm -hmm. I had stocked it with. So I was happy about that. One thing that we did not have to do, but we had a plan for because the power came back on, was to power my CPAP. Yes, we began to talk about that pretty actively. And I've had a plan for being able to provide for my CPAP because she doesn't even like to sleep in the same end of the house with me if I don't have my CPAP. Nope. And it's one of those where you probably ought to be taping the windows. I mean, I'm, when the first doctor asked me if my wife complained about me snoring, I said, Doc, the neighbors have complained about mm -hmm. me snoring. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm good at that. But we had that plan for powering the CPAP, and the, the plan was to run it off of a car battery with an inverter. Right. It can be done. Well, we did it for years down at the hunting club. We were six miles from electricity, so we carried a battery down there to run whatever we needed. We had some 12-volt lighting, and so I had that inverter down there, that, and I could run over a week and never, never ran out of power running it for a week while I was down there. Now, with the use of an inverter, you can also plug in other things, exactly. can you not? Exactly. Super. Okay. And down there, we had a little small generator, a little two-cycle generator. It sounded like a weed eater. <laughs> but we would run 
get this, satellite television off of it. How about that? I mean, we're not going to miss Alabama football games <laughs> just because we're down there hunting. We're going to see those things. So, yeah, the plan one for your CPAP was the car battery and inverter. Plan number two was that you were going to shut yourself off down at the other end of the house <laughs> and sleep on the couch where the cats sleep at night. And I was going to be on the other end of the house with my doors closed hoping that I wouldn't have to hear you. That was your plan, too. (laughs) I actually had another one, and that involved running the generator all night if I absolutely had to. Oh, my word. So that could have been done, but we didn't have to do that. Now, there's some takeaways that we have. There's some things that we can improve on. One of the takeaways is that our preps worked. Yes, we had what we needed when we needed it. Mm -hmm. We knew where to find it. We knew how to use it. And... Even though we had a bit, or I'll say I had a bit of a feeling of alarm when I saw the trees bending down low and that wind really, really whipping them hard, I thought, you know, this could be kind of serious. At no time did I ever become panicked, and I knew that we would be fine. If that was the worst of the storm, we were going to be okay. But that power outage, and particularly that prolonged power outage, did give me some concern. But again... Never panicked. We had light. We had a plan. We had preps. We had gear. We had the things that we needed. And, I mean, even up to and including if I was expecting, if a knock came on the door from the neighbor, we would be able to help them too. Oh, absolutely. The other thing is that we had our plans in place. We didn't have to decide what to do. What we did was that we just went into working our plan. Mm Mm-hmm. We didn't have to say, oh, my, what what do I need? What just, We had a plan. I remember, too, when we came to the decision back months and months, a year or so ago, about purchasing the generator. It's something that we did a lot of research on and something that we saved up for and paid for, knowing that it was going to come in handy at some point. And so we've used our generator now the very first time, and now it's going to be easier the next time we need to use it. And I'm just here to tell you that that gained me, and I know you, so much peace of mind to know that at least we'd be able to have some electricity, some Mm -hmm. electrical power. I could live without the air conditioning, but I did not want to lose the food in the refrigerator and the freezer. You know, I went through Hurricane Hugo, and I went through a 10-day no-power issue. I lost all of the food in my refrigerator and freezer. And I will tell you, homeowners insurance took care of me. Mm -hmm. They paid for every bit of it. That helped, but at the time, it was a big pain in the tuchus because that's a human. I mean, I actually had to throw the freezers away. They were so nasty. Now, when we went through the blizzard of 93 in Birmingham, we lost power for seven days. Yikes. But we didn't lose anything from the refrigerator because we put it into coolers and put it on the front porch because we had snow out on the well, ground. yeah, that's different. You, Mother Nature was we, your freezer. We had another plan that there. That was lucky. And actually there, we didn't have a power plan. We didn't have a generator. Mm. And so we would have been in the pickle had it been in the summertime. Oh, my. Some places that we can improve. One is, and I've already talked with Krista about this, we're going to relocate our generator. We have an area that we can store that actually where we don't get wet trying to get it hooked up. Uh So we're going to relocate that from the garage to another place here that we'll be able to just roll it right out onto the patio. And there we go. 
and we're going to have some dedicated extension cords so that we don't have to pull the ones that I use in the shop, in the garage. Uh-huh. They're going to be rolled up right there sitting on top of the generator, and they're going to be ready to go. And I'm going to consider buying a deep cycle battery to have here to run the inverter and to power the ham radio. We can power it off of 12 volt. Uh, It'll go either way. So we power it off of a 12 volt power supply now. So that's a consideration that we're having and having a couple of 12-volt light bulbs that we can use. So I think we did pretty good with our Mm -hmm. real-life actual preparedness that we had to go through. And fortunately, we weren't not dealing with a tremendous natural disaster like some tornadoes can be. I mean, the next day, North Carolina received an EF3 Mm -hmm. tornado in the Raleigh area, and that was pretty serious. You know, EF3 is a serious tornado, so... We're certainly aware that tornadoes come in all shapes and sizes and all strengths. We feel for those that have really experienced some very devastating damage that has impacted their lives deeply. And um, Kentucky is going through some major flooding right now. Exactly. So, yes. And Vermont uh, has just been through mm-hmm. some catastrophic flooding. So our hearts do go out to those that are having to deal with weather and natural disaster. It's really just a matter of not if, but when. And so being prepared, having your plan, this is how you get through these types of things. Mm -hmm. And you just have to just jump in there and do the hard work and do it. You'll find that you'll be so thankful on the other side that you have benefited yourself by taking these steps now. Don't wait for a tornado to rip your roof off. Don't wait for a flood to come up into your basement first floor. Go ahead and make your plan, know your plan, and have your family and loved ones that share the home with you, clue them in on what's going on. If they're able to handle it mentally, mature, uh, you know, have everybody have a job to do. Mm -hmm. It's important. Actually, the teamwork is very, very important to be able to rely on one another. So we just wanted to share with you some of the things that we experienced. It was good practice for us. We didn't find any major holes there. Uh, We could have made it for multiple days if we needed to. And we also have tarps that if we did have roof damage that I don't like getting on the roof, but we would have gotten on the roof and covered it until we could get a professional roofer here to repair it. So that's just some options. Make your plan, and that plan really does save time when you have to put it into place. With your plan, if you open that, you can check off one, two, three, four, what you might need next, or you're not missing things that you probably needed to do. Listen, I want to tell you about this, too, that we have reprised the Practical Prepping Monthly Newsletter. If you're not yet receiving it, email us at info at practicalprepping.info, or you can use the contact link on our website. I received today a couple of new requests for the newsletter, so I went ahead and put those in, and I went ahead and sent the one that we put out last week. Like a bonus. Well, (laughs) I, I just sent it to them because they apply, they subscribe today. Fantastic. And so I just went ahead and sent that. So if you subscribe, the next time I'm at my computer, I'll send you the most current one. So you'll be up to speed on where we are now. Also, if you receive value from the podcast, 
would you help us by giving back a little by buying us a cup of coffee? We want to upgrade the software that we use for the podcast, and your help would be greatly appreciated. And you'll find the link to buy me a coffee right there on the front page of the website. We appreciate you being here today. And as Krista always says, stuff happens. Stay prepared. And we'll see you next time.